The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. Things are a little bit awry in the personal life right now, if I'm being honest. Everything's going to be fine. But um, that led to this episode being recorded a little bit later than I planned, so it might just be a little bit shorter than usual. But the topic this week, as you saw in the title, is the final results from my board's exam, as well as some tips for it and just kind of walking you through what the process is like. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE you all throughout this episode as much as I can be but one of the big issues with having to wait to post this until I knew my results is that I started these boards and took the first section so long ago so it's tough for me to remember all those little details that I maybe would have wanted to share but I did a pretty good job of talking about things as we went through different YouTube videos so definitely be sure to check out my YouTube channel. It's just Haley Schultz over there. And I have vlogs from when I took boards the first time and when I had to do my retake for a section, as well as I can just share the fun news now. I passed the retake. Yay. Claps, claps, claps. Very exciting. Um, I was so thrilled when I got that news over winter break. But what I'm going to start with talking about is just the timeline for boards and kind of how you would know when you're taking it and what you're taking at each different time. And again, this is specifically for the ADEX CDCA package of boards. This is not the INBDE. I have separate podcasts all about that. And this is just for the ADEX package, which has five components. So that's going to be one. That's another multiple choice exam, which is the DSE OSCE diagnostic clinical skills exam and then the other four components are clinical skills on a mannequin which previously used to be partially live patient but with covid most states went back to mannequin based just for safety reasons but also i think most of us can recognize that it's much more ethical to treat mannequins than to save patients and all the other questionable things that may have been happening when you were trying to do very specific restorative cases on live patients on one scheduled day and time. I'm also not going to give the exact same information that I gave in a YouTube video that went up today, which is Sunday when I'm recording and you're listening probably on Monday, walking you through kind of everything you need to know about boards because I would rather not repeat myself if people are watching on or listening on both platforms. So if you want to know kind of the ins and outs of how boards works, watch that video. If you want to hear my specific experience, that's what this podcast is going to be. 
So your school is going to tell you when you register for ADEX and our registration deadline was by August 26th. We had to log on and pay. It's about $3,000. You had to log in and pay that in full. And then we had a tutorial kind of boot camp by one of our prosthodontics faculty for the pros section. There was in August, late August, and I was available to go to that. But then the second one that happened, I was on rotation, so I couldn't go. And that's kind of a common theme with everything is that they do their best to accommodate for students. But because there's always about a third of our class gone on external rotations, just the way fourth year works, it was hard for them to ensure that every student got to go to a tutorial session led by faculty Some people were left just to kind of watch the recordings of that, word of mouth from classmates, and then practice independently, while some of us got to go to the in-person sessions and see that tutorial and different presentation about what to expect with the exam, what the examiners are looking for. That was kind of the information that they told us in those practice sessions. They called them boot camps. So that's what those were for, and it was definitely helpful. That was my first exposure to really understand what teeth we're even doing what's expected of us if you're going to have something like that I would recommend reading the exam manual before going because then you'll be a lot less clueless going into it like I was and as I mentioned those happened late August and during September and then we also had a boot camp session put on for our endo which is like the root canal part that the exam is testing on so all throughout September and October, I was practicing for boards when I wasn't away on rotation for four weeks. And we would do at our school for rotation, I think I've explained it before, it's four weeks a semester, two weeks at a time. So you're basically gone for two weeks at school for four weeks, gone for two weeks at school for four weeks is kind of how it works out, but not everyone's gone at the same time. About a third of the class is gone every given week. So I was practicing for endo and pros throughout that time when I was able to, but my main practice, I would say, was that very first week of October, right before we went in to take the boards that first weekend of October. I had kind of done a full mock boards myself already in mid-September before my second set of rotations just for my own peace of mind so I went through and did full pros full endo I didn't do the perio practice because you can't practice too much for perio unless your school gives you extra materials so I'd done one full session and random teeth here and there and then the one week before the exam I practiced for three days after hours and then we had to turn in our supplies because the school uses those same supplies for our exam they have to go through and check everything and make sure that it works and is in good order for us to use for this important exam so we have to turn it in a few days early and then the night before the exam they have a zoom put on by the chief examiner and the chief examiner is going to be different every single time the test is administered so our chief examiner that day was from Indiana University and then for the retake it was someone from Ohio State something like that but they can really be from anywhere I'm pretty sure a lot of this is semi-regional based or maybe we just happen to get people that are from the Midwest because they do travel to administer the exam to us and the chief examiner is kind of floating between the clinics that have the exam and then there's floor examiners which are other people to assist you check you in check you out 
take your type it ons to get graded and the end of everything so those are kind of what the examiners do but those chief examiners along with whatever person is kind of your liaison for boards at your dental school ours is someone that works in dispensing at our school and he was on the zoom as well as the chief examiner and they just answered all of our questions about logistics like where are we parking when can we get there what happens when we get there all that kind of stuff what materials will we have things like that and i think it was especially helpful for people that were taking the exam that aren't in our class because you can sign up to take this just if you need a license maybe if you're an internationally trained dentist or if you were in some kind of specialty program but you still haven't gotten your license here again I think that's mostly for internationally trained dentists but maybe there's some other scenarios because there was definitely people in my clinic that are not my classmates and they did not recognize so I know that people were taking this exam that are not my classmates so I know other people can sign up and I think that the zoom is really helpful for them because then they could get a little bit more acclimated to what the dental school is going to be like because we're all fairly comfortable with it we're just high stress and nervous and everything because it's such a big exam I couldn't imagine the stress that someone goes through if they've never even been in the school before so kudos to them for making that big I guess stride to try to take the exam because I know that they have to get over that but I'm sure it was very intimidating. So for us that was October 6th and 7th. You were assigned a date ahead of time if you took it on Saturday or if you took it on Sunday because there's so many of us and logistically it's easier for them to administer the exam in two clinics instead of all four of our clinics at max capacity so they split it in half and it's just random if you go on Saturday or you go on Sunday. I happened to go on Saturday which was nice. So next, let's talk about what test day was like for me. So if you watched the YouTube video, you would have heard kind of the timeline of events for exam day, but you're going to get there pretty early. Start time is 8 and they have you get there 6.30 to 6.45 a.m. to set up and then probably by like 7.30, 7.40 I was set up. So I just went downstairs to get a breather, drink some water, send my final messages that I was about to go in to take my exam to friends and family and stuff went up and started and you do pros then endo and finish the day with perio so honestly I felt okay everything was going pretty smoothly I felt like my all of my teeth were my best I'd done yet you really want to be over reducing for the crown and bridge portion for pros because if you under reduce you fail but then there's a really generous window for over reduction or just like how much reduction you can have I should say there's a really large window but you don't want to be under that window so you want to be in the window closer towards reducing too much but obviously not past it where it is too much so it was a lot of back and forth and back and forth checking with the putty stent reduction guide reducing a little bit checking again reducing a little bit and it definitely was slower and I was more I think nervous of course than my practice sessions and it took longer than my practice sessions but I'm generally a fairly fast worker so I knew that I would still be fine on time and I was I don't remember anymore when I finished but I know it was quite early 
And then after pros, you're supposed to go and take lunch and then come back up and do endo and then perio. You're allowed to get up at any point to go use the restroom or something. You can't have a phone or a smartwatch up there with you. It's just yourself and you can have your manual that you've taken handwritten notes in. So you can draw diagrams for the preps and everything, but you can't have any photos. You can't have anything else with you besides that printed set of papers and any handwritten notes that you wrote within them. So if you do get up to go to the restroom or something, you're obviously not allowed to check your phone. But once you finish a section, they're going to come over the floor examiner you're going to flag them to come over they will take a look at your typodont they'll write your finish time on your specific paperwork and then you're free to leave until you have to be back at least by the start time of endo which for me i think i would have had over an hour and a half lunch if i wanted it but i believe i only took about 30 minutes i did eat the food that i brought drank some water, watched a little video on my phone to kind of decompress. Endo was the one I was 100% the most nervous about, especially with pros. You kind of know if you got it or you didn't because you can see everything versus endo, some of the criteria is within the root canal system. So you really don't know 100% if you got it right because you can't take the tooth out and take a peek. But with pros, I felt like I did pretty good and I definitely knew I did the best that I could, which is all you can ask, right? So I took my break. I went back up. I was starting about an hour early for endo. So that's my typical pacing, I would say. And I start with number 14 personally, because that was the one I was most worried about just because we never do molar endo on real patients. We barely did it in our preclinic endo. So I just wasn't that comfortable with it. So I wanted to get that out of the way because I felt really calm doing number eight because I feel like we've had plenty of practice. So we put a rubber dam on, which actually went on pretty smoothly, do 14, take off the rubber dam, put on a new one for number eight, did number eight, and number eight is all the way through a full root canal. So you do your access, clean out the pulp chamber, clean out the canal, place your gutta percha with sealers, sear it off, all that. But 14, the posterior, you're just drilling the access and cleaning the pulp chamber. You're not going into the canals at all. And as I'm sitting here telling you this, spoiler alert, this is my mistake. That was my mistake. Number 14, that's where it all went wrong. But I didn't know that. I thought I killed it. I thought it was my very best prep yet because my access opening looked so good. Like the outline shape and the positioning on the tooth. I was far enough from all my boundaries, but I was big enough to not be in the criteria of being too small. I thought I could access all the canals with straight line access. I thought it was great. So I went into number eight, feeling so relieved and so confident, did number eight, felt good about that too. Turned those in, went to get a quick water break, used the restroom and then just powered through the perio, which is 12 sites of sub G calculus scaling. But honestly, you can like see them even though they're sub G because the gingiva on the typodont is like kind of puffed out a little bit. So if you just like look at the right angle with your mirror, you can see it. But one thing that threw me off guard is you're going to get assigned 12 sites, but that doesn't mean that's the only calculus on the typodont. For example, you might be assigned 20 distal and buccal, but there might also be calculus on 20 mesial. But you're not supposed to get that or you don't have to get that. You're not penalized for taking off extra calculus and sites that aren't assigned to you, but you're penalized if you miss your own sites. So it's just weird because you don't have that confirmation of, wow, I cleaned everything because I don't see any more calculus. 
because technically you are going to be leaving calculus because you're only cleaning the assigned sites. So that threw me for a loop, but it was fine. (laughs) Peace of mind was still there. Once I realized what was happening, it was all good. And I felt pretty confident. They felt smooth. I was like, perio cannot be the thing that fails me. So I just kind of did my best and moved on, went home, was pretty tired, but went out to celebrate with some of my classmates that we had finished taking it. Again, I was like, a, I hope I passed. I kind of did my best and that's all I can say, but I didn't feel 100% confident that I passed, nor did I feel like I did an error and I know I failed. I was just kind of in limbo. But four weeks go by and I get a text message. Yes, they notify you with a text message that your scores are posted. So then you have to log in and check your scores. And this was like 4.15 p.m., heading to the end of the day on my oral surgery rotation at school. And I get this text message that my scores are posted. All right, here's the part of the episode where I guess we get really deep and personal with each other. But I log on, I step away from the group because we were pretty much everyone was done with patients except two students were still going, but they don't like us to kind of crowd the rooms. Like it's two or three students per patient. So one operatory was still going and like five of us were just hanging out waiting for others to finish. So it's, I didn't, I was had nothing else to do basically. And I knew all I was going to think about is did I pass? Did I pass? Did I pass? So I'm the type of person I have to look right away. Some people can wait till they get home or wait till the next day. I'm not that kind of girl. So I stepped over to the side. I logged in and I see the red. I see the red letters failed. And I was in such disbelief. And then I start to read it. And thankfully, they do tell you exactly which criteria you failed. Granted, you could have failed multiple criteria. They're only going to put one because only one thing does make you fail. Maybe you failed 10 categories, but one is enough to fail. So they just put either the worst one or the one that jumped out the most. And for me, like I told you earlier, it was number 14. And the reason was that my removal of pulpal tissue was not enough to unroof the pulp chamber. So essentially what happened is I drilled the access, could stick the endoexplorer into all three canals, but I didn't scoop out any of the pulp tissue that you can literally scoop with a spoon. So I didn't even do that. But then on top of that, you need to clean all the walls all the way around of any red pulpal tissue and it just needs to look really smooth and a really nice transition from the walls into the canals. You can't have kind of what I call like lipping or cupping over the canals, kind of roofing them. And that's exactly what they said, that I didn't unroof them. And I literally was baffled because this was the one line of the criteria sheet I didn't understand well and I explicitly asked a resident about it up in endo because the main faculty wasn't available and they basically brushed it off and said oh don't worry about it like if your access looks good they won't even look inside like don't worry about it you just want to clean it out like yeah yours looks fine which it looked just like I did on boards when I failed (laughs) but they said it was fine so biggest takeaway for me was I need to talk to the actual faculty that works with these chief examiners and the people that grade it because they're the ones that actually know what's going on versus that's like going and asking me to critique your endo prep. Like, I don't really know. Yeah, I took it and I passed it, especially these residents did it years ago and they can do endo amazingly on real teeth, but these boards are really nothing like patients anyways. (laughs) So 
long story short, I take full responsibility for not asking the right people for help beforehand because I misunderstood the criteria. But once I read that result, going back a little bit, I was so distraught and disappointed and I was experiencing so much self-doubt and just anxiety and nerves, all the different words, because I just didn't understand what I did wrong because I thought it was my best one yet. I didn't know what they wanted inside the pulp chamber to look like because I'd been confused about it and I asked about it and I thought I got it clarified, but apparently I didn't. And my biggest worry wasn't, oh, I'm so worried that I failed this one time. My worry was, what if it never makes sense and I never pass? That's what was going through my head. And I just had to wait because the CDCA sends pictures to again, the one faculty for each department that works with them. Ours is like our head of our endo faculty. They were going to send her photos to go over with us of our failed teeth, kind of pointing out what was wrong with them. So I couldn't really do anything till I got to meet with her and look at the photos. And of course, guess where I was going the week they sent the photos? I was going on external rotation for a week. So I couldn't even see anything about it for a week. And then I got back the following week, which was a couple days before Thanksgiving, and I finally got to meet with her and get feedback, and it was so, so helpful, and everything made sense. And then I was able to do a prep and then take it back to her the next week and get it critiqued, and she's like, yes, amazing, keep it up, you get it now. And I did get it now, and she gave me a lot of great tips, and everything was fine and dandy. I still would say I felt 85% confident, maybe 90, just having failed the one time really 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 digs into your confidence with a skill like that so I'm not gonna lie and say that even though she told me I was doing well and that I'll pass if I do that exact same thing on boards day you still just don't feel great honestly it probably took me three to four days to be not super super sad after getting those results back I was extremely sad the night of and the next day by day three I would say I was just like melancholy a little down and by day four I had kind of gotten over it because I realized I did my best I'm gonna meet with her I'm gonna figure it out I'm gonna get through it like a lot of that positive self-talk instead of the negative self-talk and of course my boyfriend my roommates my friends my family everyone was so supportive and nice but At the end of the day, I think you kind of have to bring yourself out of one of those really dark, sad places. It's really nice to have friends and family support, but like no matter how many nice things they said, I had to reason with myself in my own mind to convince myself that I was going to be okay and I was going to get through it. And that takes a lot of self-discipline, self-awareness, emotional awareness, and it's just one of those things. But One of the other really big things that made me sad about it was the cost. So in that about 3,000, it's a little less, I think it's 2,700 package, you get one included retake, they say, but they surprise you that there's still a supplies fee that's $150. But if you fail an additional section after the one free retake, then you have to pay around $1,400 to retake anything else and the issue is that in March when I take the last of the five sections which is restorative a lot of people fail 
I feel, again, this is total generalizing and word of mouth. I don't know if this is true. It seems like about half, if not more, fail. So if I'm in that half again, I'm going to be paying almost $1,500, which in the future as a dentist, whatever, won't be the end of the world. But when you're a student, that's a lot of money. So on top of being down about my clinical skills, I was feeling really kind of financially upset and sad. So it was just a really hard time. But spoiler, as I said at the beginning, eventually got the feedback, went on rotation, practiced a bunch. And at the end of November, I did the retake, went on Christmas break. And about three weeks later, we got our results that I passed the endo retake. And retake day was very similar to boards day. I had to wait to start until all the pros people finished, so I didn't really get to start until around noon or one o'clock, which I thought we'd all start at the same time and just be doing different skills, but we didn't get to start until all the pros people had finished, the people that were redoing pros. It seemed about a third of our class was redoing something, and I think that's fairly common. Like I definitely encountered people that failed sections at other dental schools as well. But that's kind of what I was noticing. And one thing that I thought was strange was how we had to wait to start until later in the day. It wasn't a big deal, but I was just planning on being done by noon and not starting at noon. But retake went okay. Honestly, the worst part was rubber dam. For some reason that day, it was not working. They were ripping. My clamps didn't work. I was, it took way longer than it should have to get that rubber dam on. (laughs) But the prep went okay. I thought 14 looked really good. Number eight, I accidentally, at some point when I was just checking my walls of my access, my Explorer kind of dragged across the tooth and it left this like scuff on the lingual surface of the tooth, pretty much from my prep all the way to the incisal edge. And I also thought that my access prep was a little bit close to the ridge on the lingual where you have to be at least a millimeter or more away from. So I was like not feeling good when I left there either. Of course, the tooth I passed, which was eight, is now the one that I was worried about. And then the one I failed, 14, I felt really confident. So that's another thing to keep in mind that if you fail one tooth, you have to redo that whole section. So if you fail for one component of the bridge, you have to redo the whole bridge, both teeth and the anterior crown or vice versa. Same thing if you fail anterior endo, you have to redo anterior and posterior. So that was another thing I didn't really know until... I got my results and learned more about the process, but needless to say, it turned out okay, and by God's good graces and my hard work, we passed. (laughs) So thank goodness. I definitely learned a lot through the experience, and as I mentioned earlier, in March is the final section, section number five of five, and my last component of boards. Everything's squared away at dental school for graduation requirements, so it's really just getting this boards exam done in March and hopefully passing right away. If not, they have it set up for the retake in mid-April so that hopefully we're still all passed and ready to go but by graduation time, which is middle of May. So that's kind of where we're at now and there's still one little bit of boards left. I don't think I'm going to make another dedicated episode about the experience unless it's just that crazy and worthwhile of making one. But Overall, I would just say boards are expensive and they're stressful and they're scary and it can be sad and it can just be a lot. But eventually, 
whether it takes zero retakes or two retakes or whatever, everyone gets through it and everyone does graduate and it's not the end of the world, even though it feels like it. So that's kind of what I want to leave you all with and wish you good luck if you're approaching your own boards whenever you're listening to this, whether it's right when it goes up or if it's years and years from now. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next Monday.